This is Finally Free, a podcast for the chronic dieters, disordered eaters, and fitness junkies. For those sick of battling their bodies, sick of fearing food and the number on the scale, sick of punishing exercise, all in the pursuit of diet culture's version of health and wellness. I'm Alana Vandersloos, an eating disorder recovered intuitive eating coach studying to become a certified intuitive eating counselor and the founder of Freedom with Food and Fitness, an online community where I coach women how to become intuitive eaters and incorporate intuitive movement for true health, mind, body, and spirit. On this podcast, you will hear stories of other women on various parts of their journeys, some who are in recovery, those who are recovered, and those who are helping others to do the same. I'll also teach you ways to quiet that incessant voice in your head telling you you're not enough. I'll show you how to find peace and satisfaction with food again, how to embrace the one and only body you have with joyful movement so you can move through this world with peace and confidence. Are you ready to be finally free? Thank you so much for joining me today. But before we get started, I just want to remind you of everything that I offer for those who need help with body image, intuitive eating, fitness, food, weight, and mindset. First, I offer group coaching now. So if you're interested in getting some expert support, some tough targeted love, schedule a free 15-minute discovery call at freedomwithfoodandfitness.com or click the link in my bio on Instagram at freedomwithfoodandfitness. On that same link in my IG bio, I have everything that I offer people. So I have the links to two course videos, which are both under $5 right now. I have free quizzes to assess your relationship with food and exercise, over 45 pages of free intuitive eating and fitness resources that you can sign up for. It takes literally five seconds. I have a form where you can ask your own question for a chance for it to be answered on the podcast. I have a guided meditation and so much more. Seriously, go check it all out at Freedom with Food and Fitness on Instagram. In today's episode, I'm talking to Emily Lauren Dick, otherwise known on social media as Real Happy Daughter. Emily is a body image expert and activist who is committed to making girls feel comfortable in their own skin. Her book, Body Positive, A Guide to Loving Your Body, is the number one resource for young adult women who desire to redefine and understand true beauty. Emily believes that educating young people about body image, teaching resiliency, and normalizing real bodies is critical in combating negative thinking and improving self-esteem. Emily and I talk about what body positivity is, how it can be fostered or not fostered as children, and what we can do to stop any generational instances of disordered eating and body image issues. This was such a wonderful conversation and one that I will definitely keep in mind during my son Archer's formative years as he develops his own relationship with food and his body and as he starts noticing the bodies of others, particularly girls and women. If you're interested to know more about Lauren and her business, check her out at Instagram at Real Happy Daughter. Facebook at Real Happy Daughter, and happydaughter.com. You can also buy her book, Body Positivity, A Guide to Loving Your Body, on Amazon. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Emily Lauren Dick of Real Happy Daughter. I... <laughs> okay, so Emily, happy Sunday. It's so, it's so good to see you. So good to have you on the show. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Emily is... Um, Real Happy Daughter, that is the brand. She's a body image expert and activist who's committed to making girls feel comfortable in their own skin. She has a book, Body Positive, A Guide to Loving Your Body. Um, 
and we're just we're just so happy to have you just to talk about you know body image and things like that so um to kind of dive in because i know you say that you're a body image expert so can we just define body image just to kind of get a nice baseline for anyone who's kind of new to the space absolutely so body body image really is the idea of how you think others see your body so it's the mental picture of how you see your body but also the feelings that are associated with how you feel about your body so it's both the mental and emotional feelings connected to to that perception great and what what was your body image like growing up because and and we can get into this but real happy daughter i'm assuming this is a lot about you know, body image and how that forms as, you know, we're children and then working with our inner child and all the, and all this stuff. So, so when you were little, what was your body image like? So for me, obviously I, I wrote this book, so it wasn't perfect. <laughs> um, but um, I would say it, it was balanced. Like I, I grew up in a household, thankfully, um, where my body wasn't this object i wasn't told by my parents that i needed to change myself things like that so i grew up with with confidence and good self-esteem um but obviously a lot of outside factors come into play as you're growing up things like the media um i grew up in the 2000s so obviously um the media was very intense around uh female bodies at that time especially and um i always felt like I was in a movie, I guess was the easiest way to describe it. And not until I went to university and learned about the male gaze theory, did I understand what it was that I was going through at, at a young age, um, the feeling of being objectified and then, you know, self-objectifying, you know, controlling um, my appearance as if it was there for other people. So really that's, what inspired me to write the book was because I didn't have this information at a young age and I really wanted to make it accessible um, and easy to understand because there's so many young girls and even women um, who are still not quite understanding what it is that that they're experiencing in this world that that is objectification. Is there it's so funny that you said that because I haven't heard that many people say that this, this feeling like you're in a movie and i'm a recovering perfectionist and for a long time when i had that coupled with body image issues that's how i felt is there a term for that it's it's the male the male gaze theory yeah, okay, really okay. Is, the, is the best way to to understand it it's this feeling that you're like a performer right so a lot of the times you feel like you're on display for other people and not for yourself so you live your life um through those terms and and not on your own especially because you're so focused on how you're appearing to other people, whether it's through your behaviors, your life choices, but also very predominantly your your appearance. Right, and, and I feel like that also manifests when you're by yourself, isn't that strange? Absolutely, We because we are so used to doing it, it, it becomes internalized, right? So we're doing it consciously, even when we're alone in our own rooms, you know, we're looking at our bodies as if someone's looking at, at our body. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, so again, I said your brand is Real Happy Daughter. So, I, and I have to ask, is the little girl in the media kit on your website, is that your daughter? That is my daughter. <laughs> oh, girl, she's 
so I, lo- I love that picture. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you, you have to go on realhappydaughter.com. <laughs> it's happydaughter.com. Happydaughter.com, yes, yeah. It's also in the show notes. But it's, it's this picture of Emily and her daughter. Do- What's your daughter's name? Audrey. Audrey, beautiful name. And, and it's like, like, like uh, Emily's looking in the mirror and, and, and Audrey's looking back or vice versa. And it's, it's yes. so, there's so much meaning in that. And it's such a beautiful photo. So is she kind of the impetus as to why you created this brand? Well, I, I definitely started this before she was born, but I would say she's become sort of like one of the, like the reason why I'm doing this. And it's, and, and not just her, but also all the daughters out there that are growing up and, you know, I want them to have a different experience than I did and that so many other young girls have had growing up. I want it to be easier for them. I want them to understand at an early age because, you know, no blame on previous generations, but I don't think they had the knowledge or the words to explain what it is we've been going through as, as women. And, and now we do. And I think it's our responsibility to make their lives better. Yeah, absolutely. And and when do you think body image is solidified? I mean, I know there's not like one age, but it, it range wise, what do you think? Really, like studies have shown that body image issues are showing up as early as age three. So it really depends on your exposure to outside sources and um, and and the mechanisms that you've been given to to deal with those things and be resilient against those things. So like I noticed even now with my children that the type of media that they consume, I have to be very conscious about what it is they're watching. And we have to have conversations constantly um, about things that are so subtle out there. You know, like my daughter loves Peppa Pig and in Peppa Pig, they talk a lot about daddy's big tummy and act like he's this big joke. So they're teaching fat phobia at the same time. It's a pretty wholesome show. So it's really challenging as a parent to be able to recognize those things, let kids enjoy the media that's out there, but also teach them to be resilient against certain, you know, theories that are being taught to them and also to, to, to challenge and make those, those uh, decisions and question things for themselves. Absolutely. And you know what, I had these old, so my son's 14 months and I just, I love reading to him, even though he doesn't. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) <laughs> but you know I have these um these old Disney books from when I was a kid and I grew up in the 90s and yep. you know I'm, as I'm reading to him I'm like this is really sexist this is fat phobic I have you know the Berenstain Bears junk food one yes, like, I have that one too <laughs> oh my God. Like, I find myself like amending the words as I'm going along yeah. So um, that kind of brings me to the question. So when you have these conversations with your daughter about Peppa Pig and and the daddy's big tummy, what does that conversation kind of sound like? Like, what what are the things you say, she says kind of back and forth? Yeah. So I I guess the most recent example we were talking about, my my daughter was talking about grandma's big tummy and um, she was making a note that, you know, grandma doesn't have a baby in her stomach and grandma has a big tummy, right? And, um, my mom's like, you should probably make sure you talk to her again, you know, about that because that can upset other people. So on one hand, I want her to be able to acknowledge that, yeah, we're all different. Some people have big tummies, some people have small tummies and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. So I have been teaching them up to this point, you know, to recognize differences and that differences are cool, but then we're also dealing with this component where, um, 
you know, she's going to possibly hurt other people's feelings by bringing attention to things that they might be sensitive about. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the point is that our bodies and other people's bodies are, are no one's business. They have nothing to do with our value or our worth. So we really don't, we can acknowledge them in our minds. We can recognize them, but we don't have to necessarily talk about them. So that was kind of a tricky, tricky subject with her because I don't want her to feel that fat is a bad thing, um, which it's not. Um, so it was, it was just like, and I didn't want to, to come across it like, oh, you might make them feel bad because then she's going to question, well, why do, why does that person think that being fat is a bad thing? Right. So I just talked about that, you know, we don't talk about other people's bodies to them because, you know, it really doesn't matter. We can, we, we see differences every day and we just, we shouldn't really acknowledge or bring attention to those facts because people are more important than, you know, what they look like. And, and so there's, there's this dichotomy of, we want to be able to recognize people's differences, but also not attribute um, any moral value to it, but yes. also recognize the fact that we live in a fat phobic society. Yes. There's all these moving parts. And then it's there's- hard. <laughs> it's hard for adults. Like, like to teach it to a child must be even harder. <laughs> Can't wait, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's like, you know, there's, teaching them about their body and the way they feel about their body, but also at the same time saying that, you know, everybody else's body is their business. Don't talk about mm -hmm. everybody else's. It's, it's hard. It's a lot of moving parts. And you talk a lot about teaching resiliency mm -hmm. in terms of body image. So what would be like one really good takeaway tool people, uh, listeners can take from today of how to build that body image resiliency? So really resiliency is about building self-esteem and allowing them to have knowledge to think critically. So for me, resiliency is understanding that there are issues in our society around body image, but also not letting that hold us back from, from other areas in our lives. And I think a lot of the time that when we're learning about things like that, we feel guilty. And, and that's how I felt or originally, you know, it's like, well, a real feminist or a real body image expert believes this, right. You know, and does this and rejects all beauty standards and, you know, never shaves their armpits and blah, 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 blah. That's not true. Right. So what, what I want people to take away and remember at the end of the day, if there's anything that you learn is that you can be critical and you can still enjoy things that are a part of learning this type of culture and these type of standards. So the way that we will improve things is by being aware, challenging, criticizing, but at the same time, not allowing them to have complete control over the way we feel. So you know what? I'm still allowed to shave my underarms, even though that is a beauty standard rooted in, you know, controlling and, and profiting off of female insecurity and all those things. But we can make the bet the world a better place if we if we challenge those things and make the world a better place for people who do want to have hair under their arms, for example. Right. Right. Everybody's different. It's it's you're you're neutral in your evaluation of shaving your yeah. arm or not shaving your arm. Exactly. Right. All, all about, and it's the same thing with intuitive eating. It's all about intention. You can have two mm -hmm. people that, that have the exact same behaviors and their intentions can be completely different. So I think it, you know, that's Absolutely. 
So now you have an honors bachelor of arts degree in women's studies and sociology. And you also spoke to me briefly earlier that you had this aha moment when you were at university. Mm -hmm. Are those two things related? Yeah, well, I mean, they, the, the courses I took sort of geared me towards the path that I'm on now, which was learning about the male gaze theory in, in, in university in a women's studies course. And, and really it's, it's, taken me to where I am now in terms of being able to take this research and look at things critically and understand that there is more to really anything that is up front, like all information can be biased, right? Even the stuff I'm, I'm explaining is, is biased by my experiences and the things I want people to understand and to learn. Um, so I think that's important to remember, especially when we're talking about things like whether, you know, health is, you know, equal to value and why, you know, doctors tell us that we need to lose weight, things like that. Like we need to dig in and really uncover the truths behind these things, things like, you know, the fact that diet um, statistics are often funded by diet companies, which are profiting off of us. <laughs> You said so many things that's sorry i just kind of went into it <laughs> I, I have a bachelor's in journalism so the fact that you say that like you have to look at who is funding these studies and oftentimes it's somebody that will profit off the study if it shows certain results yeah. so the data is i don't want to say the data is skewed but the way that they word the result is skewed and that's like bias you know yeah. my word choice is a huge thing like how like what words are they using to describe things totally and there can be connections to things but that doesn't mean it's the cause of something right we are so unique as people that there is no way to fully determine if a caused b we can see links but there's things there's factors like our genetics our you know outside environment even our, you know, economic status, like there's so many things going on that you can't say that fatness causes this because right. all fat people are different. Right. right. And, and so. the way you describe it to people, the, the causation versus correlation, mm -hmm. if you have two people that have like a bagel with cream cheese in the morning and they both die that day, are you going to say that it was the bagel and cream? Exactly. It's ridiculous. You <laughs> never say that, but you know what? I think it's easier and cheaper for doctors to say, hey, go on this diet and call it yeah. a day than try yeah. to really see what the real problem is. Exactly. And I mean, I've had uh, quite a few conversations like doing podcast interviews for the book and things like that with doctors. And there's information that I'm explaining to them that they had no idea, like the history of BMI and things like that, you know? So it's, it's one of those things that you know, humans are imperfect and, and we have to accept that. And we have to, you know, dig in a little bit ourselves and, and figure out what, what we want to believe and, and, and really, you know, hopefully lean towards living a, a, a better life just in the way that we um, address things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And now you are a body image expert. Um, what what is what credentials does that include? Like what what makes somebody a body image expert? Because I love that. I almost want to like so, go. <laughs> there really is no like exact equation of how you get to be a body image expert other than um, I've spent 
years and years researching body image. And, you know, I, I often get asked, I don't have a PhD, I'm not a doctor, um, but I know how to research things. I know how to look at scholarly journals and articles and take out and find links and patterns. And that's what I do. So I really feel like I know all these things about body image and I need to share those things with the world and, and let people understand what it is that they're dealing with when they think about themselves and their bodies. And I think that that's, that's so important because I'm in training to become a certified intuitive eating counselor. But as of right now, I, I don't have those credentials, but I would still consider myself an intuitive eating coach because yeah. anybody could go to school and get a degree, but like, have you experienced this yourself? How many years yes. have you been doing this? can you research like i as a journalist i've researched this you know frontwards backwards especially in recovery so it's i would trust you over some of these dietitians that say that you know and well, they get money sometimes from from diet companies and stuff like that like there are dietitians out there that that are spouting off information that's incorrect right and and i think that ties into this whole bigger picture too right that you know, we think we need to be this to be that, you know, we, there's this mold, this box that we are constantly putting people into as a society. And who says, you know, that I can't be a body image expert if I don't have a PhD. And who says that you, you know, can't know all this information if, you know, it's different if you're obviously like learning to do surgeries and, and things like that. But, <laughs> but there are so many things that we can learn ourselves in, you know, education as an institution, like that's, just another form of capitalism and, you know, profiting off of this pretty little box that we put people into. So, you know, information is so subjective, right? And, and I think it's just, if you're using it for good, then, then you're doing your part. <laughs> I mean, a lot of, a lot of my recovery came from listening to um, Caroline Dooner with the, yes. with the effort diet. And yes, She's not an intuitive eating coach. And she actually has a blog, I think, that says like why I'm not an intuitive. So she has no credentials, I don't think. Yeah. But yeah. she was so instrumental in my recovery. And the, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help women heal. Yes. We're doing that. Yeah. Who cares what the <laughs> title is? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They called me a body image expert because it was an easy way to explain what it is I talk about and what it is, you know, I'm, I'm addressing with my book. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, speaking of your book, how did you choose the women for your book? And were any of them hesitant to be photographed for those of you who haven't seen it? Um, it's 75 photos. Yes. 75 women. women yeah. Yep. In their undergarments, all different sizes, shapes, colors, everything. So, so how did you get those women and what did they have any reservations? So Yes, they absolutely had reservations. That was probably the most challenging part of this entire initiative when, when it started. Um, and it took me so long really to get to the point where I really wanted to put this out in the world because I wanted an appropriate amount of representation in the book. And it was easy to get thin white blonde women who wanted to be in the book. I will tell you that. Um, so it was more challenging to find people who didn't necessarily fit that mold. Um, and it's something that's very, I'm asking them to be very vulnerable with themselves. And, you know, there were some women who were very confident. There were some women who were less confident. And really the, the funny thing is size had nothing 
to do with comfort, uh, confidence and self-esteem levels, um, just showing us how unique people are and how their experiences, you know, uh, apart from their bodies can, can make us so different. Um, but, but really, it was really challenging. And, uh, but I was really proud of the women who agreed to, to be photographed for the book. And I mean, we had a lot of no shows over the years, you know, people who were excited to do it, and then, you know, couldn't muster up the, the courage at, at the time and, and no shame on on them for doing that. It's, it's, it's hard to, to get there. But, you know, one of the main themes with all the women was that they knew they would be helping other people. And I think that was pretty healing. And it, you know, like there were some, some women with some pretty wild stories and um, one in particular comes to mind. There was a, a, a woman and she had suffered through an illness and um, it was one of the first, she kind of got like, what's the term when you want to stay in your house? Ag agrophobic? Agrophobia, yeah. Agrophobia, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she was kind of dealing with that. And this was basically one of the first times she had been out. And she brought her mom with her. And at the beginning, she was just shaking like a leaf, like, like just so scared, but knew this was so important and wanted to be a part of this. And by the end, she was just smiling and happy. And like, you know, like I, you know, so many times you're almost in tears because I didn't realize how cathartic it could be for so many women to 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 do this and you know just feel good feel like they were doing something good and just sharing their amazing experiences with awesome. the world now <laughs> yes that's amazing Ugh. so uh, a couple more questions um how is body image related to intuitive eating and movement in your opinion I think it's it, it goes hand in hand, like, you know, with body positivity and um, body image, I think we all need to get back to intuitive eating because that's, you know, we're natural intuitive eaters. We're born natural intuitive eaters. It's society that changes us from eating in different methods or, or restricting or whatever it is that we're, we're doing. Um, and it's really, really, I, I think an important part of recovering, whether, you know, you have a full-blown eating disorder or not, I think it's a hugely important aspect in really gaining back the control you have in your body and in your life, you know, and it's one of those things like we, even writing the book, I, I think only in the last few years, I've like officially been an intuitive eater because it's something so ingrained in, in how we are like, oh, I'll skip I'll skip breakfast today because I'm going to have a big lunch or I'm going to do this because, you know, like we don't even realize that that is, you know, diet culture at work. So yeah. intuitive eating is very, very important. <laughs> Happy to hear it. Um, so what, 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 what was one strategy or thing that you did that you felt was really helpful in terms of cultivating a better body image just so um we can have listeners take away something absolutely i think the the first thing is knowledge understand as much as you can about what you're dealing with because once you recognize it in yourself you can begin to heal um the other thing is like you know self-care, self-compassion. We talk about it so much, but it's a lot harder sometimes to do 
than we think, and it's going to look different to everyone. So, you know, um, self-care, you know, in the media might look like a bubble bath, right? But uh, to someone else, it might be as simple as reading a book or just taking five minutes to meditate or whatever it is. Maybe it's eating a chocolate bar or, you know, whatever it is to you. Um, embrace that, engage in that, because that will really help you create a better relationship with yourself because you're, you're telling yourself that you're worthy by doing those things. Um, I mean, there's so, there's so many other things, you know, dressing comfortably is, is a huge thing. Like who wants to be uncomfortable in their body? Like it's, it's a really great reminder to, to wear clothes that feel good, feel good on, on, on your body, not how you're told you'll look good and, you know, forget the fashion rules and, and all that. And, I guess the biggest other thing is um, talk to yourself the way that you would talk to someone that you love. And I think that's the simplest one um, that you can take away. So anytime you're feeling negative about your body, think about yourself talking to, to your daughter or your mom or your friend when you're addressing those feelings. Sure, sure. Okay, so taking just a couple of minutes for yourself to do some form of self-care that you enjoy, dressing comfortably and speaking to yourself with kindness the way you would uh, a child, your child, a friend, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Okay. So last question. Mm -hmm. This podcast is called Finally Free. What does being finally free mean to you? I think being free means free. I I think of it as being free from shame Mm -hmm. because so many reasons why we go in a certain direction are based on fear and shame not not because it's what we really deeply desire it's because we fear being ashamed of the way we look the way we're perceived Um, we fear not being able to connect with people things like that like it all comes down to this fear and shame and and really to be free from that and to not care about how you're being perceived by this world. I think that's pretty, pretty amazing. That's awesome. Emily, thank you so much for being here. I will put the links to everything for uh, Emily in the show notes so that you guys can check her out and buy her book and all that fun stuff. So, all right. Thank you so much for having me. So that is it for today's episode. Seriously, of all the podcasts you can be listening to, I'm so honored that you took the time to listen to mine. I'm also so proud of you for taking this small step forward toward food and body freedom. If you like what you hear and you want to work with me as your coach, go to freedomwithfoodandfitness.com to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call. That way I can hear your specific needs and set up a game plan for your success. I would also be so, so grateful if you could subscribe, follow, rate, and review this podcast so many more people who need help with dieting, body image, disordered eating, and fitness can find our message of freedom. Until next time.